0: Get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and empowered as we embark on the Eminence Legacy Podcast. Subscribe now and get ready to rise to your eminence. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Eminence Legacy Podcast. So we are doing this live today. Well, actually, we always do it live. We're just trying a brand new format. So I can see the other two hosts We're doing it remotely uh, because today we actually have a special guest. We have Chris Galena which is actually the son of our, hey, so he's actually the son of of our host, José Luis Cadena. So um, real quick, before we get to that, don't forget that you can visit us at eminencelegacy.com. Right there, you'll be able to find a um, personality assessment, as well as many other resources, such as a blog. There's also a seminar coming up that I'm sure José Luis is going to be able to give more information about towards the end of the podcast. But the reason we have Chris today is because recently he was in a competition for bodybuilding, which is really neat. So we did. So what's interesting about this is that we had a relative that competed once. So it's really neat to see that that is still within the family. So uh, what I want what I want to go ahead and do is ask him some questions about his journey because even the way he got into this is very interesting. So Chris, how old are you right now? I am. 14. I turned 15 after the competition. <laughs> All right. So let me tell you guys. So like, I mean, so he sounds young, right? And he is young because he just gave us his age. What's interesting about it, though, is that when he was up on that stage, the way he controlled the room by looking at the judges, by being able to do the poses, by, uh, by, you know, just showing the muscles that he's that he's been gaining. And he's competing not just with with people his age, but like, what? Are, who were some of the oldest people that were in that competition? For sure, around twenty to twenty-five. They were way older than me. So. Yeah. yeah, and and let me and you were telling me too before we started recording that uh that they basically this is one when it comes to bodybuilding, it, it has a compounding effect, right? So let's say you compete this year and then you compete the following year. What's the difference between? between those two years when you compete are you, are you going to see like a change in growth or what, what happens between between that time the difference is is when you're when you when you barely compete your mass is more of definition you have more definition than mass on you but when you can when you keep doing the cycling of the diet and the off the diet it gets you more volume with the definition that we already have which is kind of interesting because I didn't know that and I really learned that this year and I found that pretty pretty cool that that you can get bigger throughout it with the definition instead of just looking bloated. That's exactly what I was noticing too. Because when I, so this is my first competition, so like that I attend, not even that I participated in, I just attended and watched. You know, however, like seeing some of the guys that have been there that were much older, you can see that, I mean, so you had definition, but like you said, like some of these repeated competitors, like they, the volume was something different. But let's go. Let's backtrack a little bit. So, so before this wasn't your original sport, right? You've been you've been an athlete for for most of your young life. So why don't you give us like a tour about about how you got into athletics? So it was when I was uh, when, when I was young. My dad would show us uh, either martial arts movies about Bruce Lee or the Ninja Turtles or sorts of like that, like just martial arts all around. And so, we, when I was six, he uh, took us to a few um, martial art places. And the ones we settled with was uh, Taekwondo. And uh, I did that for six years. But for the beginning of it, I was more hesitant. And then I didn't really want to go because I was like a kid. But it soon enough grew it on me that I wanted to go. So, like, throughout the year, we would, uh, while I was doing it, it was it was fun, it was pretty different, it was something new, something I've never done in my life. In that six years fans I never done anything like it. But throughout the year that I kept getting older and older, uh it, I started not like liking it as much as I did before. But uh and then like, uh, closing it to the end of the year. Uh the end of the sorry the end of the time that we were d- debating of not going anymore or, or what's next for us because we've been after that six years we did for around so six uh, I did around eight years non stop. and for around the fourth four year period we did competitions so we didn't leave that out we we did some competitions I did pumse and a little bit of uh, fighting. Kumse is basically just forms that you do in front of judges, and they just format you of what that uh, if it's better, and they critique it their that way. That's the only issue. So, but I liked more forms than fighting, so I did that for a while, and I enjoyed that. But it came to a time around the of uh, next four years that it kind of started becoming more stale than before they stopped like teaching us and learning us throughout the year and well there's this um and then uh we i started working out or uh, asking questions about working out about how it works and all that right, to my dad when i was around that age of 14 because i was just curious because i've always been like a not a health nut but always curious Always trying to make sure my health is uh, at key, but it wasn't when I was younger. Uh, but I did a little bit of working out here and there, and then there's this this one day that we are gonna go to a, a fight and uh, a practice fighting at our school, and I didn't really feel like fighting that time of the day. I I didn't really feel like doing anything. I didn't want really want to go. But I told myself, I'm not going to do anything at the house at all. Like, nothing. So I went, and we talked for a bit. And around the second round that we had to go again, I was like, uh, this, this is this is all right. This is fine. I, I'm going to do it autopilot. I'm not going to pay attention. And, well, the, the kid threw something called a spinning hook kick. It's where you hit with the back of the foot. But he spinned all around and he hit me here on the jaw, so it gave me. After that, it like it shocked me. It was the first experience I ever broke a bone or hit myself. Like uh, hit myself, uh, got hit really hard, and it was more. Uh, it wasn't painful. It was just like odd feeling. I would have thought I would have had more of a sensation, but I think like the pain just sits the. Uh, what, what's the word for it, that it subsided, I guess, that it was so much that I kind of got used to it, but it, it was just so weird that I was dislocated in a different spot, but that uh, was, like, really different, uh, but, so what happened is that it broke completely here, and it fractured here, and that's what's called a compound fracture, but, I had to we we didn't think it was a compound fracture at the at the beginning of it. We it we thought it was just swollen. My parents thought it was swollen, so we didn't do anything about it for like a few the five days and then then we got checked with the dentist and they said, Yeah, you, you broke it. That it was done after we took an X ray. So we had to then plan an appointment for the San Antonio uh Hospital, because they have the best uh, things for the, anything of the jaw. So we had to uh, schedule an appointment. So we had to wait another five days for the compound fracture. And I, at the time, I couldn't eat anything. Like it was, it was sore. It was bloated. Like it was around like this big. So it was, it was, it was pretty nasty. And the most annoying part throughout that time is that I was popping up like blood here and there. And that, that was annoying because I kind of choke on it, and during while I was sleeping, I would wake up midway and well cough. But then uh, it came around that we went to the hospital. And I was I was a little scared because it was uh, the first time I've ever went to a hospital for a broken injury of anything. So and especially i I'm really I was really scared because it was close to my face, and I I would be fine more with an arm broken than my anything close to my face, but <laughs> jaw happened. So, yeah, yeah, so we went so in. Give me, oh, give me give me one. Gun? So j- just so just so that listeners can uh, picture this, because I know that it's a visual medium, because I can see when when he's pointing to his face. So he's pointing around like under the side of his che- uh, yeah. of, of his cheek, um, and he's here. also pointing. Yeah, and he, so the lower part of the jaw, like and, and the side. Yeah, of the right cheek, here, and and then the other part. Okay, so like closer towards the back of it. And yeah, around here yeah. where it hooks onto uh, the bra of it. Okay. So. And then the other and the other fracture would be in the chin area, right? Yes, right. All right around yeah. here halfway. So those are two so those are two fractures. Now one of the things that I want to point out and I'll and, and I enough for you to elaborate, but this is a bigger deal because by this point you were already a black belt, correct? yes yes i was sorry i didn't explain that yes yes i was and, and and you had already been in how many competitions by that point around around the the 10 range i would say okay so that that makes it yeah. very significant in itself because it's like okay so man i like i guess maybe you could talk more about this about uh about the eat about the the hit not just to your job but to your ego right because i mean. It didn't happen in a yeah practice
1: setting. It
0: happened to a practice setting because uh, of uh, laziness of not uh, paying attention. And, and I do, I do. know so, so what out. happened? Um, what, what were the doctor's instructions when he told you about the about your condition? Uh, well, they said you had to schedule another appointment because they can't do the surgery instantly. So I was, I was like uh, pretty, pretty angry to hear because. I could eat anything for around the time, but it makes sense. So the, the scheduling would have to be like I think it was another five days. So, but yeah, yeah. So uh, hey, I when just, you said you can't eat anything, that's that's like you're being literal. You couldn't eat anything for how many? Yes. Yeah, how many? It was for how long? Six months, right. or so around the fourth month, you could have soups. So, basically, when you get any, like, jaw injury or you're fixing an overlip bite, um, uh, they put this thing that's, like, a retainer, like braces, and it has rubber bands around the teeth. It's, like, tons, tons at the start, to the point that you can't drink soup. Like, little particles of leaves and every herb gets stuck between, so you can't really, you can't brush your teeth, you can't drink soup. So, all I would drink were, like, these... Protein shake things and any hey, of just any of them. We tried different flavors. Uh, I forgot which one I preferred overall, but we would just I would just drink those, and it, it felt uh, just I would say uh, like soulless. Like every meal was depressing, just liquids. But yeah, so and then for after the first month, they would uh yeah, they would do another checkup. I think it was like every two weeks. But uh, around the second month, they took off a few rubber bands, but it was still tons. And then the, the two months after that, let's see, two, yeah. Two months. Yeah, the two months after that, they would take off a lot of the other ones. And then they would just have these that would stabilize it, but I could move my mouth. And it felt really weird for the, for the first ever four months of not moving my mouth. I could finally move it, and it it felt really different. And I was able to eat soups at that time, because I I was able to move my mouth up and down, but I couldn't really eat any solids. They said, try to stay away from it, but I guess people have eaten solids at that stage, but I I, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to break the thing or uh, uh, damage my uh, uh, the the, uh, healing process of what it was. But, um, (laughs) That was, that was it's it's a huge experience and then after uh the two months after that they fully removed it. But they kept the braces in just in case mm-hmm. it would move out of place and that was my greatest fear that throughout all that all that effort of it like keeping it still for it to grow out of place, that 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 always got to me sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> well, so, did Any track of how much weight you lost in those six months? I weighed weighed them down. I weighed one hundred and fifty at the start, and then around the end of it, I weighed around one hundred and thirty.
1: So I lost around
0: twenty pounds. So it was it was quite a lot. So what were your thoughts back then? Like, were you uh, planning to go back to taekwondo? Were you ready to start something new? Uh, well, at the time of the uh, the jaw incident, like where I broke it the only thing i could do is working out. Why is cuz it has almost no movement, so i wouldn't mess with the um i didn't know but if you tense up uh, like certain muscles, it could mess with this muscle. So i the only thing i could do is like uh uh weight training cuz it didn't have to do with that much movement or jumping around or running. So that was the only thing i did for the the whole period of time. So that was kind of like uh the gate the start of it all that that got me into the uh the working out industry for that so who was your first coach uh, I would say my dad, my dad was my first coach i would I, I would say uh, yeah he was he was my first coach overall because it was it when quarantine when all that happened? Actually, yeah, we were in the middle of um, oh, all the midst of the chaos of the of the virus and whatnot, and a lot of stuff was closed. And I have a, a house gym, and uh, that's where we're working out, and I would normally do my workouts there, and then he started tagging along. I do want to say, though, because he, he, he kind of doesn't give a lot of credit to, to what he's done, he was doing boxing as well and MMA, so that kind of... Even messed with him more because he was, he he's a diversified fighter per se, and that that was like a, a like a freak accident or or, or something, a, a lucky kick. I'm not sure what even to call it, but it was one of those things that it was unexpected, considering they've been doing this for so long and and he's never gone injured. Now, might I have two sons, and and uh, and none of them had had ever been injured in this manner. But yes, this is uh, the the start of his journey. The funny thing is, also he's not—I guess—probably he, uh, a little bit um, <laughs> nervous. But um, he, I actually before the fact, he had told me that he wanted to start losing weight. I forgot so that. About was that. One of, that was one of his goals, and all of a sudden, woe and behold, uh, he was going to lose weight one way or another. Yeah. To tweet out Is all the lines, <laughs> yeah, that's why they say be yeah. careful what you wish for, and you gotta be you gotta be specific with the genie, you know yeah <laughs> yeah, so, so what were the first changes that you started seeing when you started working out with you? uh, I would say, um, ooh, let's see my biceps, my Because biceps. I was like I was like mostly the one thing I could do biceps and triceps because uh oh i'm sorry go ahead uh but because i think that was like mostly the ones that were easier for me to do at the time without moving that much so then i'm guessing your goals change in between right because first you started going into the weight training with the idea it's like okay i need to keep busy and then also with the underlying goal that you wanted to lose weight, right? So you you kind of double dipped there. But how did the how did you end up getting plugged in into the bodybuilding community? Uh, at, around the time of doing that, I asked my dad, uh, "What does it take uh, to compete?" Because I w- I was just curious at the time because I was already doing weightlifting, and my dad was always. Um, uh, talking about, it, and we saw documentaries about it because I was I was working out and he was working out, so it was like a bonding moment of of the whole experience of the chaos. But but yeah, it was around the end of it that uh, that after the the jaw fully healed, that I fully went into the sport per se. The rest of it is more of uh uh the maintaining, like you said, the trying not to uh to stay fit. And then this got way bigger too, because it's like so you started working with your dad. Now I know Vos Luis like you know a lot of people locally that have been involved in competitions, you know, you guys trade each other's notes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How did you end up getting connected with uh, with competitors? Well, I've been I've been a gym rat for for a long time, since I was 13, actually, I started working out, and um, I've trained for a very, very long time, and a lot of people that I've trained with before, as far as, like, workout buddies, eventually went on and competed. Now, a lot of people would ask me, well, why haven't you ever competed? Well, that's the underlying question that I'm not sure why I've never competed, but, um, I do know a lot of people that have actually gotten their pro card and gone on to do other things in in that industry. So when he started asking those uh, questions in regards to bodybuilding and competition, I'm a certified personal trainer, but I'm not a competitor. So I had to plug him in with people that I knew that could take him to the next level. Um, I understand that there's there's a time where you can no longer... Uh, train somebody because if they're asking for something um a little bit out of your range you have to stay to your lane and understand that that's not where you belong so I called up a buddy of mine his name is uh Jerry uh Flex Aguilar and we're hoping to get him on this uh podcast soon um but um I called him and it took just one phone call I said bring him bring him over tomorrow so the next day after the next day of the phone call, he was already in the gym and he was already training. now. But keep in mind that it was never uh, I thought that he was going to compete, but I just plugged him into the right people so he could ask the questions to the right people. Um, surrounded by the mentors that actually could get him to the next level. And then this is how it started evolving again. At first, it was just um, he was his trainer took him under his wing, and eventually um, I guess Chris and you can tell you the rest. So, we were, uh, so at the beginning of it, uh, it was when we were practicing the workouts and all that, I, I would ask him questions here and there of his own life and how he got into bodybuilding and how he just found this place there and well around the the 6 weeks that I was practicing with them cuz I got like really into it instead of I kind of left the Taekwondo cuz they had already taught me everything they stopped teaching me at a certain point which there's only so much you can take in in one place you can't stay in one place real we'll quick to uh, that you were at if I recall correctly, you were already training some of the students there too. Yes, yes, I was. I was a teacher at the time, and but yeah, and I kind of separated from it because uh, it kind of started feeling. I don't mind teaching, but um, I wanted to learn more. I didn't want to teach. I still want to be taught while teaching, but they kind of stopped teaching me, so I kind of stopped learning. So after I taught the kids all I had. I, I, well, had nothing else to give. So I need to move on to a different spot or I would be still. So that's what kind of brought me more to focusing on working out to see where it'll take me. But at the time, we didn't know we were going to do the competing part, but uh, the, the weeks went on that, that we were going and he, Jerry, kept saying that you're going to see, like, very big improvements, and I saw him here and there, my back was the one that developed the most that looks keen to me at least that it pops really out of all of them that I've gotten and uh we he was uh another student of his named Alex was gonna that uh Jerry was asking if he wanted to compete, and he was hesitant on um at the end of it. He didn't really want to. And then he came up to me and he asked, Chris, I know you've been doing it for a bit. Do you want to compete? And I was like, I was thinking in my head, well, I've been doing this for a bit. And, well, I haven't done anything else. I don't have a set goal with anything. I don't have, like, uh, just a goal in mind for anything else. So I was like, my as well, hop on this train while it's still here, while, I, while the opportunity is still fresh. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it. And that's where it all started, where that the competing part took all in place. So, so go, I don't so know. Why don't, what, you, uh, why don't you tell us what you ended up ranking in? Uh, in the competition? So... For Mr. Laredo, I got, uh, there was no one in my division, so I won by default on the Juvie one, and it was in men's physique, so there's, there's no one at my age level, so I just did it, and I performed, and, uh, from, I think I performed pretty well for the start of it. Uh, then the a little later on in the competition I was going to compete in the older ones so I can uh actually have a competition against people of course they were older than me but that that didn't really matter but we were here to see how far I came and how far um uh just 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 to have fun to see like the progress I've done to to where I was at and well for that one I won Third place, and then the we did the one after that was the Mexico one for Mr. Santos, and I won. Uh, I didn't win that one. I uh, uh what you call it? Uh, they gave me a medal for precipitating at the end of the only younger person that went, and uh, the the uh, what's his what's his name mm. uh, what's his name I forgot but he gave uh he gave me the battle and said um, we need more kids like you the more younger kids that are willing to get on stage because they have the physique but they never step on stage so and they didn't have a category because of that for the Mr. Laredo or Mr. Santos is that there was no one younger so why is what's the point of putting a category if no one's going to show up but i thought that was that was that was really heart touching that all that effort was shown and gratitude cuz was no one else there absolutely yeah so yeah, i just do want to say things things. that so oh um go if you if you want to go <laughs> yeah, ahead first i and want go. Yeah, um I do want to say that that competition was a uh, mr frontera this was a international uh, competition it was in mexico and um the situation with here is that there was a lot of uh experienced bodybuilders there so he was the only one is it in in his in his in his lane in, in his age group so um what stand out the most there is that um his presence was known he he was actually the way he moved the way he he conducted himself was with um with security that he had he had done the work and i, I and as a matter of fact um uh, the judges came up to him it was uh it was at least four of them and they came up to him and they they talked to him and, and told him you know what like we we respect you for that and we hope to see you next year so it, it just um opened doors for him because um uh, they they recognized his hard effort and and it was it there, there was a I'm I'm his father and I'm gonna be honest there was no way he could win against those guys they were they, they were massive they had the size they had the experience the training but his um his um I guess his energy didn't die down he he kept going strong and he finished strong so I I think that that was what the judge noticed uh, the most uh, uh, that. That he kept on going, regardless of the fact. Right. So let me go ahead and wrap that up. So, guys, the reason we had Chris on today is because it basically is a culmination of everything that we've talked about. So basically, it's the idea that you cannot do things on your own. Eventually, it gets to a point that you need to get people that know more than you. You get around around you, surround yourself with the people that are successful, and you know they're gonna they're going to show you the way. So the other thing too that I see in your story, Chris, is that is is that like yes, you can say I, I got first place by by result, but so many people drop out along the way. You know, so let me ask you something: like how many How many uh, like just in your group alone? Because I know like there's there's so many coaches out there, but just in your group alone, how many people started off in this race with you? Uh, it was gonna be the kid. Uh, a teammate of mine named Alex, and then Maricio might have, but he didn't. He wasn't really like fully there, but for sure Alex was gonna be there. But he kind of didn't want to at the end of it all, so that 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 was one loss of his, and then that that was it. Only him and Maricio So, but for sure Alex was gonna do it that Jerry wanted, and many times that's going to be the case that weird that many people are not going to see it through because then they they simply see the the they see how much more they need and then they look instead of realizing how far they've already gotten you know so there's I'm gonna I'm gonna read this quote real quick that I read that I read online that I thought was really that is really suitable to what we're talking about a bodybuilder won't judge you for working out a millionaire won't judge you for starting your own business an NBA player won't judge you. For playing ball, it's all the no-life losers who have something to say. That's you know, true. So? That's, that's true. <laughs> Did you want to ask uh, those words? Yeah. Well, usually the the ones that that are criticized, usually the ones that are criticizing you the most are the ones that are doing the least, and that's something we have to remember. Like <laughs> a lot of people are gonna criticize us, and and the, let's be real, they're not doing anything with their lives. All right, so that, that was a really great interview, Chris. I really appreciate you being on. And you're actually our very first guest, you know, so congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for inviting me here with this experience. All right, so uh, guys, you can go ahead and look for me on Instagram. My handle is Cadena Afonso. Go ahead and look us up. You can find uh, segments of this podcast in there, and as well as other motivational and uh, self-help stuff. So uh, go ahead and look me up there. You could go ahead and find me also at, at Instagram at Sir Chain, and also as well anything that any requests or anything that you want us to talk about, you could always shoot us a uh, message there on on IG. All right. Does that? Do you have anything else? No, I just want to say thank you for. Uh, I want to say thank you because to. To uh, Mr. Alfonso and my dad here for everything, for the encouragement, for the positivity that they gave me to not, not, not to stop, to keep going no matter what. At the end of it, and and if you have anyone that 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 supports you all the way through it, don't take them for granted. That's one thing that I did at the end of it all that I was taking them for granted for. The support and the help that they helped me with, and um, at the end of it all, I figured out to always to be, uh, what you call it, to to be more, um, uh, 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 what's it called, I forgot the word, but but to not take everything for granted for what you have, because at the the dieting the The helpfulness of my parents, the financial support, it was all there. Some people don't have that, but they have the dream, and I took that for granted, and I finally see that, and I'm glad to be here with both of you guys and to to have support like this that other people don't have, but that's about it. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. All right. you so much. Thank you for being, for being on the show. And any, uh, we're going to have a um, master class uh, this coming Thursday. So if you want to sign up, uh, look us up on Eminence Legacy on Facebook. And it's going to be Harnessing the Power of Your Emotional Intelligence. Make sure to plug into that because um, we're doing this one for as a freebie. And if you guys are interested, make sure and sign up because uh, their spots are closing up soon. All right. And this concludes this week's episode. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Until we meet again on the Eminence Legacy podcast, keep seeking, keep going, and keep shining brightly. And remember, it's time to rise to your eminence.